Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that today's message will challenge and inspire you to pursue Jesus and to love people to life. Let's talk about resurrected today. We're talking about hope resurrected. See, it's not about resurrecting the hope in your own personal life. It's really about us pointing you to the only hope that we really have. And how many know the only hope we really have is in Jesus Christ? Amen. Matter of fact, how many know God is the source of hope? That's what the Word of God says. In first, uh, our Romans 15, chapter 13, or verse 13, it says, I pray that the God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trusted in Him. Then you will overflow, we'll look at this, with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So God is the source of hope, and the Spirit of God in you can cause you to have overflow with confidential hope. So we, how many of you, you can't have a resurrection without a death. You can't have a resurrection without a death. And we're going to talk a little bit of this morning about the resurrection, but we're also going to talk first about what happened leading up to the resurrection. Leading up, if you, I'm just looking out of John chapter uh, in the book of John this morning, we'll, we'll get to the scripture in a few moments. Don't bring those up. This is something I added later, okay? John 17, Jesus is praying for the disciples and for us. The, they had the supper, and he's praying for us, okay? And then in chapter 18, he's betrayed and arrested. He's betrayed by Judas. He's arrested. We also find that Jesus is taken to the high priest to be judged. Then we see this in the same chapter 18. We see Peter denies Jesus three times. Also in verse 18, or chapter 18, we also find Jesus taken to Pilate to be judged. Then in chapter 19, Pilate has judged Jesus, and he tried to, he tried to let him go, and the people were so angry, the religious people wanted him to be, to be killed, be crucified. And then we find in 19, Pilate, after he said, this man is innocent, has him beaten with a whip that has lead tips on it that actually, when it got hit, it would rip the skin and tear it open. This is what happened before he went to the cross. Now, he was torn open. In the same chapter, we see the soldiers in the palace place a crown of thorns on his head. This, they say, is more like what was placed on his head. These are thorns actually from the Middle East that possibly something this severe, this thing is, these things are very pointed. I have that set up in my, I have that hanging up in my office and I look up at it every once in a while and think, man, what did Jesus do for me? But you see that they, they place a crown of thorns on his head and then they slap him and they beat him and they mock him. Matter of fact, you can go to Isaiah chapter 50 and you read verse 6. It says they actually pulled his beard. He prophesied. He, they pulled his beard out and slapped him and then said, who, If you're such a prophet, tell us who has struck you. He went through all this for us, church. He went through this for us. They, as they slapped him, mocked him, and he's been beaten. In chap, verse, chapter 19, we see that Jesus is crucified. Let me just describe a little bit of what that crucifixion, understanding all the beating he's taken, this, the people that have hit him, spit upon him, pulled his beard. He's bleeding. His body is broken. They take him to be crucified. The crucifixion is like the most painful death ever invented. 
Matter of fact, the Roman Senator Cyril called it the most cruel and disgusting punishment. It's where we get the word for the crucifixion. We get the word excruciating from. Jesus was stripped naked and his clothes divided among Roman soldiers. This was to fulfill Psalms 22, 18. It says, they divided his garments among them and they cast lots for his clothing. The crucifixion just guaranteed Jesus a horrific and slow and painful death. It was not a quick death. It was a slow, painful death. As he was nailed to the cross, it was impossible for him to maintain his, the, the stance that they put him in for a very long time. See, Jesus' knees was bent at a 45-degree angle. So when he was nailed to the cross, his legs would have to actually hold him up. And after a while, how many, any, anybody ever done squats? And you know, after a while, these, it doesn't take long. These, your thighs, your calf, everything is burning. Think about standing on a cross with your back beat open, crown of thorns on your head. Think about, he's been beaten, he's swollen. People have hit him and spit upon him, and now he's being nailed to a cross in a position that he's not going to be able to maintain. And they take and they nail him. He's there, and all of a sudden his legs are burning so bad, so bad that they're burning. And all of a sudden he has to, he has to, he, he can't do it anymore, so now it falls upon his wrist. He's trying to pull himself up. He's trying to pull himself up to get his legs released. And it wouldn't take long, but all of a sudden now, all of a sudden, his, his wrists maybe and his shoulders and elbows begin to get out of joint as he's there. And all of a sudden, as he can no longer hold himself up, he, he begins to slouch down and the muscles and around his chest cavity begin to ache and hurt. Think about it this morning, church. See, his, his bones were out of joint, his, everything. Because this was, thus prophesied was fulfilled in Psalms 22, 14. I'm poured out like water, and he says, and all my bones are out of joint. Think about the hours he's standing there, there on the cross. He's been nailed there, and he's been nailed to the cross. He's, he's trying to take his weight with his legs, trying to take his, uh, his hands, his arms, to pull himself up just to be able to breathe. Why did he do all of that? Why did he go through all of that? He went through it for you and I. He, he became sin for us. He took our punishment. Every one of us should have been hung on the cross. Because we weren't able to pay for our, our sins. Jesus stepped in, and all that he went through was for us. For us, church. Then as he's hanging on the cross. And, you know, I know this time of year they play a lot of different movies. And I know the passion is one. That's, you know, you think about, the, I've seen the passion and the cruelty that you see there. But I don't believe that paints the whole picture of all that he went through. Because of the agony that went on inside him, too. Then Jesus, he said, I thirst. His body was craving fluids at this point in time. And they gave him a sponge with vinegar on it. And they, they let it touch his lips. And then at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished. At that moment, he gave up his spirit and he died. Jesus died and took our problem of sin upon his shoulders. See, that's, I told you I want to talk about, we're going to get to the resurrection, okay? But I think I wanted to set the scene for you so you can have a graphic 
idea of what Jesus went through. And that's, that's not all the physical anguish that his body went through. That's just the highlighting a few of what he's done for us. See, there was a resurrection on the third day, amen? And that's what we're here to celebrate this morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look with me at uh, John chapter 20, verse 1. It says this, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from its entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loves. You know that's John, right? He, 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 so she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Mary goes and tells these disciples, all of a sudden, they take off and they have a foot race to the tomb. Okay, they're running to the tomb. So the resurrection has taken place, but they don't realize that he's risen. He hasn't appeared to them yet. They feel like somebody has taken his body. They've hidden his body. So they couldn't raise him up and say, hey, he's still alive or whatever. They, they, they thought the, the Roman soldiers had taken him away. But here's the deal. This is my, my point I want to make right here. He says, I'm coming back. He says, I'm coming back. Do you believe that? Do you believe he's coming back again? Yes. See, he, he rose from the dead. He, and I won't, don't want to get ahead of yourself. Okay, but listen. He's coming back. Look at this. As they ran to the tomb, it says John got there. He outran. John lets us know that he outran Peter to the tomb. I mean, he does. Yeah, the, the one that God loves got there first. <laughs> and he looked inside, but he didn't go in. All of a sudden, all, Peter gets there and he goes inside. And as Peter goes inside, look what it says in verse 6 and 7. It says, Then Simon Peter arrived and went, into, went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings laying there, while the cloth that was covering his head folded up and laid apart from the, the wrappings. See, Simon Peter, he noticed the wrappings. And also, you find out that John goes in, and he sees the wrappings. And they both notice a napkin that's, that covered his face over on one side. You say, well, why is that important? Is that important? Absolutely, it's important. Let me just share with you. In order to understand the significance of the folded napkin, you have to know a little bit about Hebrew tradition. In the Hebrew tradition, it was like a servant who waited on his master would make sure the table was set. Everything was set in place, and the, the napkins, everything is in place. It's just the way the master wanted it to be. And then the servant would wait over to the side, out of the sight, so that others, so, the, to, so he wouldn't be seen, that, and he just waited for the king to get, uh, the, this, his master to get done. Here's the deal. When the master got up, if he takes his napkin and he gets up and he wipes his hands, he wipes his face, cleans off his beard, and what, takes the wadded napkin and throws it down, he's saying, I'm finished. I'm done. But when the, when the servant, and they know, every, every Jewish boy knows this tradition in the Hebrew. What happens? If the servant gets up, or if the master gets up and he takes his napkin and he folds it and lays it over to the side, it's saying to them, I'm not done yet. I'm coming back. Yeah. Oh, I'm coming back. That's what it means. He says, I'm coming back. And church, I want you to know that Jesus is coming back. Yeah. Amen. We serve a living Savior. And here's the thing. As we talk about 
the things of, of Christ, and him coming back, and him being raised from the dead. Do you know his voice? Do you know his voice? Do you hear his voice? See, I want you to think about this this morning, about Mary Magdalene as she goes to the tomb. And she's there, and apparently it seems like everybody else is gone at this point in time, and she's still there. And look at verse 14. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. And it was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. See, look at Mary's words before she realized that it was Jesus. She was broken. She had no hope. He said, dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought, thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. See, she thought that she didn't, wasn't even thinking about Jesus being raised. He'd already told him he was going to come back again. And he left a, a sign to them. But look at this. In John 16, he said, Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which in the Hebrew means teacher. All of a sudden, just in the speaking of her name, she recognized him. That's the reason I ask you, do you have an ear to hear what God is speaking to you today? He is, he is alive, he is risen, he lives within you, and he wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you. He wants you to, he wants you to know him. See, Mary knew him. She had spent time with him. And as soon as he said her name, boom, that's it. Do you have an ear to hear? Have you spent time with Jesus to the point you know when he speaks? Have you been in the word? Have you been in worship? Have you been in prayer? Have you lived a life that, that says, God, I want to hear your voice? In the darkest time of Mary's life, all it took was him to speak her name. That's all it took. And all of a sudden, she recognized him. And the hope that was gone, all of a sudden, her hope was renewed. It all changes. When you know Jesus Christ, everything changes. Amen? It really does. Then there's the hopeless road. How many of the hopeless? Hopelessness is a bad road to take. Anybody ever felt hopeless in your life? Well, I want to tell you, the Word of God says in Proverbs 13, 12, it says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is the tree of life. I want to look over real quick. We're going to look in Luke, but we're not going to go to the Scripture yet. I'll give it to you in just a second. But in, the, in Luke chapter 24, we see two disciples walking home to Emmaus. They had followed Jesus. But now he'd been crucified, and their hope was gone. It was over. Look at verse 17. It says, he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness with, uh, was written across their face. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about the things that have happened these last few days. In verse 19, Jesus basically says, what things? They say, what things? And then listen. Listen to their words of hopelessness. The things that have happened to Jesus from Nazareth. Everything they talk about Jesus here is past tense. In other words, it's over. The game's over. Here's what they said. 
as we look along. He said, he, they said, listen to the words. Of, he said, he was a prophet. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. That's in verse 19. Verse 20, he was handed over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. In other words, he's dead. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who would come and rescue us, Israel. Even his body is missing. Even his very body's missing. And you know, the women, it says some of the women ran back and told them about the tomb. I think when they were talking about in verses 22 and 23, he said even some of the women went and told, told him that the body was missing. I th- and he was risen. They, like, they, these people are crazy. There's no way he could be risen. He's dead. He was crucified. He's dead. Some of the men ran out to sea, and sure enough, his body was gone. That's, that's their word. His body was gone. There was no hope. The, to these guys, it was over. It was done. Jesus was gone, and all hope was gone. And then in verse 25 and 26, you find out where Jesus rebukes them. Right there on the road as they were going, because of, he, they, he had already told them what was going to happen to him. In verse 28 and 29, as they approached Emmaus, Jesus acted like he wouldn't go along, that he was going to go on along. And they begged him to come and stay with them that night. So they just got home. But I want to tell you something. You don't have to stay on a hopeless road. There's, there's, you don't have to, to stay there in that place of hopelessness. Hopelessness can re- be replaced with renewed hope. Do you believe that this morning? Look at this. It says in verse 20, 30 and 31 of Luke 24, as they sat down to eat, Jesus, he took the bread, blessed it, then he broke it, and gave it to them, and suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And listen to this. At that moment, he disappeared. Think about this. How did they recognize Jesus? When he did something that they had commonly seen him do. When he took the bread and he blessed it. And when he blessed it, he broke it. Their eyes were opened. Oh, this is the, this is the Messiah. This is the Christ. You may be sitting in a place of hopelessness right now, but I want to tell you what, Jesus became the broken bread for you. He became the broken bread to take your place. He became the broken bread that, you can, that he could be given out to so many around the world. He had to be broken that he could be given out. See, they recognized as he broke the bread. And then, the, then the, look what they said as they reflected on that day. Look what they said. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? He says, and Luke, look at Luke uh, 33. And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Now listen, they just walked seven miles hopelessly. I guarantee you the walk back was not the hopeless walk that they walked there to Emmaus. They went back different. And they went back to Jerusalem and they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Now listen, when hope is resurrected, there's several things that happen. And I just wrote some down that came to my heart. These are several things that happen. When hope is resurrected, it restores your faith. It restores your joy. 
It restores our strength. It restores our vision. All of a sudden, we don't see things the way we used to. We see things differently because now we're seeing through the eyes of Christ. See, the real, the real hope you and I can have and know is Jesus Christ. When he rose, when he rose from the grave, he re, hope was restored. Hope was restored. Matter of fact, Romans chapter 1 said because of his resurrection, it proved that he was the Son of God. Amen. No one else has ever risen from the grave as Jesus did. Everyone who ever claimed to be God or something, they're still in their tomb. But Jesus is alive today. You ask me how I know? Because he lives within my heart. He lives in me. He lives in you if you're a born-again believer. So I want to encourage you, in these days and times that we live in, hang on to hope. Hang on to the, your hope this morning. Don't let the world drift cause you to lose the hope that God has placed in you. Look what Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 says. As you, I, t- I encourage you, hang on to your hope. It says this. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, he who has fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us. Look at verse 19. It is powerful. It says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. What does an anchor do? What does an anchor do? It keeps us a boat from drifting, doesn't it? And Jesus, Jesus said, he is a trustworthy anchor for our soul. He said, it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. In other words, when you hang on to the hope, you, you are in the presence of God. It brings you into the presence of God. Don't let go of the hope that you have in Christ. Keep it alive. Anchor your life in it. Because that's the only thing that's going to keep you from drifting. It's the only thing that's going to hold you where you need to be. And how many know we were designed and created to be in the presence of God? We're not, the Bible says we're not of this world. We live in this world, but we're not of this world. We're, our home is in a heavenly kingdom. And we need to keep that in our, in our, our vision at all times. Realizing, church, that Jesus is the anchor of all of our hope. And you see, church, if he's the anchor of all of our, our, our hope... I want to tell you, how many know he's also the victory? The victory. Now, I want to, I, just so we, we've gone through the resurrection, which, uh, and we went through the crucifixion a little bit, and now the resurrection, but I want to show you the promise here, the promise of the, the anchor. And I want, to, I want to show you, according to what the Apostle Paul wrote, what Jesus did when he, when he went to the cross and he was risen from the grave. Listen to this. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away, nailing it to the cross. Nailing it to the cross. He took away all the the penalty of everything that you are going to receive because of sin. Jesus canceled the record. It no longer exists. A lot of times we try to remind God of what what we've done. And God said, what are you talking about? That's, That's been put under the blood. The devil loves to have you live in condemnation and beat yourself up, but God has victory for you. Look at this. He said, by nailing to the cross, he defeated. He said, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Oh, church, come on. 
He's worthy of more than that. He's worthy of more than that. He disarmed spiritual rulers and authorities, and he shamed them publicly by the, his victory on the cross. Church, that's the victory. The victory is what Jesus Christ has done. Now, listen, I'm going to ask the, the, the worship team to come. 1 Corinthians, I know a lot of times we read this at funerals, but it's not just for funerals. It says, oh, death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Gives us the victory, church, over sin, death, through Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our victory. Amen? See, if you're in a place right now that you feel hopeless, you feel like life's too much, out of control, the pain is inside you is so much, Jesus has already paid for your sin. Jesus has already taken care of it. And if you'll open your heart to him, he will come into your life and resurrect hope in you. And you can begin to walk in victory that Jesus has won for you. Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that this message encouraged and inspired you in your journey with Christ. For more information, you can visit our website at th.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TowerHillNH. To give online, you can go to th.church giving. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.